So, as I mentioned earlier, we uh, we are we're making history right now as I'm speaking to you and as you are are watching, um, because for the first time, ourselves and and millions and millions of Christians around the world and churches are celebrating Easter Sunday digitally. We're not gathered in an actual building, but we are gathered around our computer screens and our phones all around the world and our communities. And, you know, usually on uh, Easter Sunday, a lot of folks, they like to get dressed up, right? Um, you know, some of the, the fellas might put on a, a tie once in a while and a jacket. And we see some lovely, beautiful dresses that some of the women are wearing. And, you know, um, but think about it. This might be the first Easter church service you have attended in your PJs. Think about that. I mean, I told you we were making history right here. But you, you are, who would have thought you'd be attending Easter Sunday in your PJs and your coffee in hand? We know it's going to be one to tell the grandkids one day, right? The great pandemic of 2020 and how we celebrated Easter in our PJs. You know, and usually, right, it's a day, it's a day full of joy, of celebration. There's a, there's a sense of new life and hope and optimism. Um, and I don't know about you, but it always feels to me like Easter Sunday is we always have good weather. We always have beautiful weather. And sure enough, what have we got? We've got a beautiful day that the Lord has given us um, that we're all going to be cooped in at home. <laughs> Just kidding. But we have a beautiful day. There's so much optimism in the air. Um, and yet, this, this year is a little different, isn't it? In fact, it's, it's a lot different. Um, you know, in terms of those feelings and, of hope and optimism, for many of us, maybe it's tainted this year with some underlying feelings of, of anxiety or uncertainty. Um, and, you know, it's funny, I, uh, a couple of days ago I was in the car and I was listening to the radio and they had a, they were interviewing Stephen King, right? You know, Stephen King, the, the horror author. Um, and he was talking um, about the whole situation right now with the, uh, the coronavirus and, and kind of commenting on what it's sort of doing to society. Um, and he was sort of making the point that he said, there's a, he said, you know, there's a fear. And they said, no, it's not really a fear. There's just kind of like an underlying anxiety and uneasy, uneasiness in society right now where people are just a little bit kind of paranoid. We're all turning into Howard Hughes and kind of, you know, washing our hands every five seconds and being germaphobes. And, you know, I'm listening to this interview and all of a sudden I'm driving the car and thinking, looking at my steering wheel thinking, could be on the steering wheel right now. Maybe. Maybe the virus is right there. And I start, getting, start to worry about these little things, you know. Um, um, Stephen King was just making this point that right now there's this underlying sense of uneasiness. And maybe maybe you're feeling a little bit guilty of that, about that because it's Easter, right? And it's, you know, it's Resurrection Sunday. Um, and if you're a Christian, maybe you're feeling like you, you should be full of faith and joy and, and hope. And yet perhaps you have this this underlying creeping fear and uneasiness even on this most joyous of days because of the pandemic. Well, if that's you, I want to say that actually you are in good company. Yep, you are in good company. Um, because the very first Easter Sunday in history, in other words, the day that Jesus actually rose from the dead, the one that we just read about in Scripture. It didn't begin for Jesus' disciples with shouts of joy and Hosanna and He is risen. No, that's not how it began. What we're actually told from Scripture is that the disciples spent the vast majority of the first Easter Sunday self-isolating, locked down in their houses, and practicing social distancing. That's right. 
first Easter Sunday, the disciples were self-isolating, locked down in their house, and practicing social distancing. Now, I know you're, you're hearing me say that, and you're like, what? That does not sound to me like the Easter story I'm used to. But, you know, don't take my word for it. Let's, let's go back to the word that we just read this morning. Listen to what it says in John chapter 20 here, verse 19. It opens and says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So think about that for a moment, right? On the evening of that first day, not, not the morning or the early or mid or late afternoon, the evening, so they spent the whole day like this, the disciples were together with the doors locked, so they're taking the stay-at-home advisory very seriously, and for fear of the Jews. So they are social distancing themselves from the Jewish leaders. That first Easter Sunday for the disciples, it did not begin with joy, but with fear. They were afraid for their lives, because as far as they knew up till now, their friend, their mentor, their master, Jesus, had been crucified and put to death, tortured and beaten, and was, was now dead, so they thought. And they realized that they were friends, they were associates of Jesus, and people would be looking for them, would recognize them, and they're wondering, oh, maybe are we next? But then notice what does happen next. Jesus appears and everything changes. Listen to what it says in verse 19 and 20. It says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So the moment that Jesus shows up, their fears melt away. And we're told that they were overjoyed. That means they were overcome with, with joy. And listen, the, the threat of the Jewish leaders was still real. It hadn't gone away. But when Jesus showed up and they focused on him, everything changed. And that's the first point I want you to take away from today is that when Jesus shows up in your life everything changes everything changes and if you focus on him rather than on your fears nothing will seem impossible nothing will seem insurmountable when we focus on Jesus rather than our problems and so Jesus brings joy into your life but not only is he the source of our joy, he's the source of our peace. And I'm not talking about just peace from fear and anxiety and worry, but I'm talking about true, lasting peace. That peace that comes from being reconciled with God. Because that's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. We read on Good Friday that when Jesus breathed his last, the Jewish temple veil was torn from top to bottom. That veil that separated people from from God's presence, that the Holy of Holies, that only the high priest could go into. All of a sudden, that barrier is gone, and we are reconciled with God so that we can have full relationship with him again. And that's because of what Jesus did on the cross. By taking upon himself the sin and all the dirt and the, the evil of the world, he took it upon himself so that we could be free through him. That's what we're celebrating today. And that's the kind of peace that only Jesus can offer. That's the kind of joy and hope that only Jesus can offer. You know, um, it was uh, interesting, but um, a couple of days ago I was reading an article. I was uh, looking at different articles uh, 
that we're reflecting on uh, the situation we're in right now with the pandemic and, and the coronavirus. Um, and it was a religious website that has all kinds of different points of view. And one of the points they have, points of view they have, is actually a non-religious point of view. So this is coming from a secular, from an atheist um, perspective. And as I read the article, um, it became apparent to me that all the author was doing was using his article as a way to, to blast and make fun of people of faith. To kind of pour scorn on people of faith in this present situation. And his whole point was that this situation, this pandemic, shows how pointless uh, religion is. Um, and I, the first thing I thought was like... Has, has this guy been reading any statistics? Has, has he not read that um, online church attendance, online small groups are, are soaring? More and, people, more and more people are, are tuning in. Bible sales are going through the roof. People are turning to God in this time because they're starting to realize how fragile life truly is. But his whole agenda was to just pour scorn upon people who have faith, people who believe. And I thought to myself, yeah, because without God, that's all you have to offer the world. You don't have any hope to offer the world. All you can do is make fun of people who do have faith. And it reminds you of the contrast with Jesus. That only Jesus can offer us that hope, that joy, that peace. You know, Everything will change when you experience Jesus. So, speaking of not believing, the narrative shifts here to the disciple Thomas. Uh, who we are told was not with the others the first time um, that, that Jesus appeared to them. Uh, we don't know where Thomas was. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe the disciples had sent him out for a run to Market Basket. You know, the guys were out of Clorox wipes. I mean, getting low on toilet paper. You know, just Thomas is out there doing something. And I'm just kind of keeping it real for you here, folks. <laughs> but speaking of keeping it real, um, that's basically what Thomas was trying to do or thought he was doing. He thought he was keeping it real. When the disciples told him, they said to him, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas basically said, I'm not buying it. I don't believe it. I, you know, I don't believe it. In fact, he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands in his side, I will not believe. He's determined not to believe unless he gets some evidence and in fact when you think about it Thomas he's almost taken a somewhat scientific approach because he wants hard empirical data he said I want to see this I want to see it and experience it and touch the wounds I want to know that Jesus is real and that has risen otherwise I will not believe and actually so Thomas's whole philosophy is seeing is believing that's what what it is according to him, seeing is believing. And that's what he's saying. You know, and by the way, Thomas, uh, I always feel Thomas gets a bad rap for this moment because he's forever known, isn't he now, throughout world history as Doubting Thomas. You know, poor Thomas, you know, ah, Doubting Thomas. But think about it. Um, his, his reaction was basically the reaction the disciples had that morning when Mary Magdalene said she'd encountered the risen Lord. What did the disciples do when she talked? They didn't start bouncing off the wall with full of joy and preparing a feast to celebrate this. No, they spent the vast majority of the day huddled in a room together full of fear. And when you put that in perspective, if Jesus' very own disciples, those who'd walked with him, who'd known him, if they had this reaction to being told about Jesus being risen from the dead, is it any surprise that many of us today, many people have a hard time believing that Jesus really 
did rise from the dead. The resurrection is hard to believe because it's exceptional. I mean, you know, people don't tend to rise from the dead, right? It's kind of not something we do. And if it was commonplace, there wouldn't be anything special or significant about what Jesus did. But if Jesus is truly the risen God, the risen Lord, God incarnate, then why should we have such a hard time, or why would it be such a stretch of the imagination to think that he rose from the dead? Jeremiah 32, 27 says this, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? You know, as an aside here, we're, we're told that the doors were locked and that Jesus came and stood among them. And that's fascinating, isn't it? Because what's that, what that's telling us is that there's something different about Jesus' resurrection body that's able to transcend space and time and matter. And yet at the same time, his body is still physical because he tells Thomas to put his hands in his wounds and scars. And later we read in John that uh, Jesus eats with his disciples. He has breakfast with them. That's a little prelude, folks, of what awaits us, of what our resurrection bodies are going to be like one day. They'll be imperishable. They will be physical, but there will be something about them that transcends space-time matter as well. And Jesus is showing us what we have to look forward to. So Thomas, Thomas gets the empirical data that he's looking for. Okay, Jesus says, here you go, feel the wounds, touch the scars. But what does Jesus say? Once Thomas has done that, he says, Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. You know, those words are as, as much for us as they were for Thomas. In fact, a, a more literal interpretation of those words from the original Greek would be this. Do not be an unbeliever, be a believer. That's literally what Jesus is saying right there. Do not be an unbeliever, but a believer. Jesus is saying, don't let unbelief rule your life. Don't let unbelief be what defines you, like the atheist that I just mentioned. You know, it's funny, our, our culture glorifies and so admires skepticism and cynicism. They're, they're almost considered virtues of the modern age. You know, they're almost synonymous with intelligence and hipness and coolness. You know, it's if uh, people like to wear it like a badge of honor, I'm a skeptic. I'm smart. I'm not going to let the wool be pulled over my eyes. But Jesus, listen to the wisdom of Jesus, which I would take any day over the wisdom of this world. Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. Don't be an unbeliever, but a believer. He's saying let faith and hope and peace and joy be what govern your life. Not this, I don't know, snarky, arrogant, smug unbelief. I mean, is that working for you? Is that, is that giving you joy in life? It wasn't working for Thomas. And when Thomas stops doubting and instead believes, what happens? tell you what happens. One of the most famous doubters and unbelievers in history, Thomas, proclaims one of the greatest confessions of who Jesus truly is. What does Thomas say? He says, my Lord and my God. 
And some people, you know, some folks will say, uh, to sort of challenge uh, Jesus' divinity, will say that, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God. But here's a case in point where Jesus is silenced. The fact that he doesn't rebuke Thomas is a clear indication that Jesus is declaring, yes, he is God incarnate. Remember something, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi teacher. He was a devout Jew. And if somebody had given him the title of God, he would immediately rebuke them had he not truly been God. But instead, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus' silence acknowledges that Thomas is speaking the truth. So do you see what happened here with Thomas? Something revolutionary, a transformation happened in him that has just rocked Thomas. As he's, as he's seen Jesus and believed in Jesus and declared, my Lord and my God, he's gone from our typical approach to life, which is seeing is believing, Right? That's what most of us go by in life. It's like, if I can see it, I'll believe it. All right, If I can't, I'm going to be the skeptic about it. But he's gone. Thomas has gone from seeing is believing to believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. What, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that now, now that Thomas believes, he's able to see Jesus for who he truly is. His Lord and his God. It's a lesson to us that revelation and blessing come through faith and belief. And this is, what ex- ex- is exactly what Jesus means when he says to Thomas after this. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. As we go on in the the text that we read this morning, uh, the Apostle John, who who wrote the Gospel of John, he ends this passage by explaining the basic reason for him writing his Gospel. He lays it out. He says, here's the reason in verses 30 and 31. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. By believing, you may have life in his name. So life comes through belief. Life comes through belief. You want to get a life? Start believing, not unbelieving. Life comes through believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Believing is Seeing, When you believe, you will see and understand who Jesus is. He will reveal himself to you in powerful, powerful ways. So I want to leave you with, with one last thought here. I, uh, I recently read an article that was reflecting, again, on the times that we're living in. And uh, the whole deal with the coronavirus, what it's doing to society. And the author said this, quote, People will say... I came to Christ during the virus. There are going to be people who right now in the midst of this pandemic, they're going to look back and say, you know what, this was the turning point for me. I came to Christ. I came to believe who he is during this crisis of society we are in right now. And I just want to encourage you that we are living in a unique moment in history right now. And now more than ever do people 
need to believe in Jesus, to believe in his death on the cross for our sins, and to believe in his resurrection from the dead. If you're, if you're on the fence about Jesus, I just want to encourage you, stop doubting and believe. Jesus will reveal himself to you. Believing is seeing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just there's no way we can thank you enough for, for what you did on the cross and what you have done uh, through rising from the dead, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you revealed yourself to your disciples and to countless other people. Hundreds of people witnessed you, Lord, the risen Christ in the time. And I thank you, Lord, that we have your word that documents your resurrection. It shows us, Lord, for those who are looking for empirical evidence, Lord, there it is. History shows, Lord, that you conquered death and rose from the dead. And so, Lord, I pray for us today, for those of us watching this morning and people all around the, uh, the world, Lord, and around this country and this community, that, Lord, if they still don't know who you are, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts. You would open their eyes so that they can see who you truly are and believe. And, Lord, we just ask for your blessing this morning on all of us. Help us to remember that our hope, our joy, and our peace is found in you, Lord, and in not in what this world has to offer. And so we give you thanks, we give you the glory this morning, Lord, and we pray all this in your most holy name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.